Um, I'm going to be speaking out of Proverbs 22. Normally, I preach, uh, I give a big old hunk of scripture, sometimes a whole chapter. I love that. I love letting the, the scripture read for itself. And Proverbs is one of those funny ones where it's little nuggets. So I am actually just going to read one verse, and we're going to spend some time unpacking it. And uh, But don't worry, it's still in the KJV, which is fun for me. I just like its prissy language. I don't know. It speaks to the southern boy in me, but uh, uh, you can read along in any verse or version that you like. But uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, how many of you are dads? Where's my dads at? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you know, dads and moms have gifts. Did you know that? They have special talents that are bestowed upon you when you become, like, say, a dad. Dads, we have, uh, I have the, I'm growing into my dad bod, as they say, and uh, uh, so a, 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 it, being a dad, you actually get dad strength. You know what dad strength is? You ever heard of that? It's like when you would fight with your dad as a little kid, and you're like, why is this guy so strong? I don't get it, but I'm much stronger now than when I was um, actually muscular and skinny, and uh, um, I have dad strength. Moms get strength, too. You know, they can, like, get that she-bear mom strength and lift a truck off of their pin child. You hear about that stuff? Uh, dads also have a very special gift that I definitely inherited when I bought the house. It's called the thingy. And when my thingy goes off, I know that someone has adjusted the temperature on the thermostat. I know, I, I, what? And it's just, bing, it goes off. You know what I mean? In fact, my neighbor will open my door and go, hey, Ryan, my thingy went off. You okay? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Somebody adjusted the temperature. Who did that? I know when lights are on. I actually feel my bank account money just it's going away. I'm like, there's a light on somewhere. You know, I was in like another state. I was in West Virginia. I called Julia and I was like, are the lights on? They are, I can tell. My thingy's going off. You know, moms, moms have a, a, an internal lie detector. It's a gift from God. You can't lie to moms. I would go, Hi, mom. She goes, don't lie to me. <laughs> no, I just don't lie to me. Okay. Then I just walk away. You know what I mean? Like, I can lie. I couldn't lie, couldn't lie to mom. And yet, uh, um, uh, there, there's residual gifts and, and, and those kinds of gifts. So today we're talking about gifts. And in fact, um, probably some things that your parents have uh, talked to you about and, and uh, those kind of things, they help shape us, right? They help us. So today I'm talking about parenting and I'm talking about raising teenagers and young people. And I'm talking about one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the whole Bible. It's Proverbs 22.6, and I named this sermon, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's one of my favorite movies. I love this movie as a kid. How many of you have seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? It's a great movie. And it is, um, is, is two movies, actually. The first one is for kids to enjoy, and like sliding, and, and they're outside, and they're shrunken. And basically the story, if you haven't seen it, is a mad scientist dad, played by Rick Moranis, accidentally shrinks his kids and the neighbor's kids, and they get lost out in the yard, and they have adventures ensue. And um, as a kid, I just loved the idea of being lost and little and, and big ants and all that stuff. But I realized there's a kid's movie, and then there's a parent's movie. The movie actually has a big component just for parents. And there's this great moment when Rick Moranis gives the title of the movie in the movie, and he turns to his wife, and he says, Honey, I shrunk the kids, and she faints, and it's, it's great, and it, it is, it is, it didn't make sense to me until I have kids, I got two kids, uh, five and a half years old, and every bit boy, uh, uh, those of you that are quick on the math, that means they're twins, and uh, um, they're crazy, they're absolutely nuts, and, and one of the, the, the moments that, you know, doesn't hit you until you have kids is the feeling, I'm going to screw this up. 
You know what I'm talking about? And that's why I like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, because he screws things up. And, 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 and uh, I don't know how it worked for you, but in, at least in, in the hospital that we went to, they, they come out with the boys, right? And, and for like three days, because they were born early and stuff, we had the boys, and they bathe them, and they swaddle them, and they feed them, and all that stuff. And then they go out to your car, right? And they look in your car, and they make sure that your car seat's hooked up. And they're like, looking in, and like, I don't know, I didn't do it right, but then they're like, okay, you know. And then they put the kid in there and buckle him up, and they show you how to do it, and then you get in the front seat, and then they come around to the front of the car, and they go, (laughs) and that's it. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh, what do I do now? And he goes, you drive away. You you go away, you know, bye, and that's it. And you, you just got these humans. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this now? And he goes, go home, you know. And, and, and it's like this feeling, like, they didn't come with an instruction manual. There's no PDF, right? Do I have to install drivers? I don't know what to do here. I drove like five miles the whole way home. I was terrified. And, and, and I was worried that I was going to screw them up. In fact, we, we, uh, I learned something. Are you ready for a deep spiritual truth? Your parents screwed you up. <laughs> parents? Visav is, you screwed up your kids, and the cycle will continue. Well, that's the end of the sermon. Have a good night. No, that'd be terrible. But it's true. It's true. I mean, I've been screwed up by my parents and things they say. You know, I never understood why parents were so, like, short with their kids and, like, they're like Kroger, right? And they're like, I used to work at a, a, a place like Kroger uh, called Publix. It just was like Kroger with better sweet tea. And, 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 and I was a bag boy, and I would watch all these parents, and, and the kid would go, Mommy, and the mom would go, What? You know? And you're like, Jeez Louise, Mom, what's it? Chill out, right? But I get it now. I get it now. Kids like, Mom, 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 what's this? Why is this? Why not? And the mom's like, huh, ah, ah. you know, she's like PTS parenting D, you know? And she's like losing her mind. And so by the time you get to the checkout counter, it's like a minefield of candy, right? And the kid's like, ah, you know, you're like, God, just stop, you know? I just wanted, I just wanted groceries, you know? They're losing their minds. And I'm like, I get it now. And that's why parents lie to their kids. This is why parents lie to their kids. You probably didn't learn for a while where chicken nuggets actually came from, right? Or the stork brought the baby, right? Why do we lie to our kids? To get them to shut up, right? You know, I thought for years that chocolate milk came from brown-spotted cows. (laughs) Why? Because, I don't know, at one point I go, Daddy, why does that cow have, is, is that cow good chocolate milk? Yeah, yeah, son, yeah, 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 that's what it is. It's chocolate milk comes out of the brown cows. Right? Just, just stop talking, you know? Like, I, 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 I thought for years, I mean, I probably just learned this truth maybe a month or two ago, because my grandpa told me it, and Big Al wouldn't lie to me, that black coffee gives hair to your chest. Now, I, I don't know, I was like, yeah, I need that. Hey, I'm a child of the 80s, right? Hairy chest, yes. And I'm like, oh, this thing is terrible, it didn't work. Big L, let me down, man. And then the other day I found myself doing it. I'm driving with the boys in the car, and we drive by the national animal of Michigan, roadkill deer. And as we're driving by, they go, Daddy, is that deer dead? No, no, son, I'm not, I am not 
ready to have that conversation, okay? You great parents out there, I'm sure you like have a book on how to do this or something. Oh yes, we talked about the life cycle and then we watched The Lion King. Ah, I'm not ready to deal with that, okay? Like, I got things to do. And so like, I was just like, oh, he's sleeping. <laughs> the heat of the pavement is so nice and cuddly that he lays there on the side of the road. They love it. Thankfully, it wasn't that decomposed, and I hadn't, you know, I, my lie hasn't gotten that complex yet, but uh, it eventually, honey, I shrunk the kids. Here we go. Are you ready? Proverbs 22.6 says this. Oh, wait. Here it is. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the whole scripture today. And instead of reading a big chunk, we're just going to read that and break it apart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that in this short time we have together, you make a long time impact on our hearts. God, all of us are in some ways interacting with young people, children, teenagers, young adults, people whose lives matter, peoples whose lives are changing. God, work on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to make a proposition. I would like to make a proposition. Raising a human is the most stressful thing a person can do. And all the parents were like, what? I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, 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 sure. And you might, especially if you haven't done this, right? If you haven't done this, you know, you don't have the eye twitches, none of that. And if you, if you haven't done this, you might, you might say, there's more stressful things, Ryan. There's more stressful things. Uh, war. War is more stressful than raising a child. Yeah, but it doesn't go on for like 25 years and you can't get a gun, right? In war, you can shoot somebody. You can fly helicopters and things. You can't do that with parenting. If you shoot them, you go to jail. I mean, you know, this is so difficult. And it's night and day. And it's forever. It's as long as you live. Holy cow. It is stressful. And those with the loudest amens had the most stress. And I think it is. It's really stressful, and, and, and like, like uh, um, some of my friends would agree with it, is, is that raising a kid, you just, you just lose your mind. You lose your hearing because of the screaming. You lose your sense of smell for other reasons. You know, you, you just begin to get numb, you know, as the sleep wears on. I, I was talking to um, Don Waggy's uh, son and daughter, and they just had twins. And I said, how you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're great. And, I, and Julie and I were like, <laughs> how are you really doing? Because we have twins. And they go, we're dying. We're dying. We're dying. I can't do this. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You can't do this. But no, 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 no. We said, absolutely, you can do it. But yeah, it's like a lot of work. In fact, the culture we live in doesn't help, right? There's a store called Buy, Buy, Baby. B-U-Y, B-U-Y, Baby. Now, if that isn't subtle advertising, I don't know what is, right? And then you walk in and it looks like this, and you're like, do I need this stuff? 
I never thought about it. What if my child swallows his pacifier, right? I need a, like a child pacifier anchor. I never thought about it. It's $6.99. I need four, right? Julie and I walked into this place, and we're like, we must buy everything. We have to buy everything. And, and, and we're freaking out because, you know, we have twins, so we don't have money. And, so, and, you know, our parents were like, you know, people have been having children for, like, a long time. <laughs> like, all time, right? All of human history, people have made babies, and they've made it without a pacifier anchor. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there's a way to do this. Here's a picture of Julie and I, 2008, no wrinkles. Look at the smooth face. Those are authentic smiles. Uh, I, I, I don't have a crick in my neck. My hearing is excellent, sense of smell, the whole deal. We're uh, engaged, and we went to Cranbrook. Uh, uh, I don't know, there's a dinosaur. And uh, I was excited. And here we are, here we are, a couple of hours. This is four hours. This is a picture of me and my best friend, Andy Foreman. After the babies are born, we brought them home. Now, does that, that the four-year-old boy, uh, four-pound boys, there they are, does that look like the face of a sane man? <laughs> Here's for example. Smooth skin. S honest expression. Barely holding it together. This guy is about to lose his mind. Barely holding it together. Here's, here's how this works. You may think, okay, well, you know what? I don't have kids. I don't like kids, whatever. Here's how this works, and this is why this verse is important. How we view parenting informs how we view God. You see, because God is our heavenly father, right? How we think about what a dad is is very, very, very important. And maybe, and I'm willing to bet, some of us in here have had really, really bad dads, really terrible experiences. You're like, looking at that, you're like, this guy wrote the book on bad parenting. And, and, and you know, that's one of the things. If we don't think correctly about God, the Abba, which means daddy, the Abba father, then we, we, we will have a messed up theology. And so it, it's very, very important that uh, since God is our heavenly father, that we understand this. And our spiritual life is actually dependent on it. One of the things I need to express real quick about uh, Proverbs is Proverbs is unique in the whole Bible. And here's how Proverbs is unique in the whole Bible. Proverbs is not a list of God's promises. Let me say that again. Proverbs is not a list of God's promises, just as there are certain pieces of the Bible where they were important for a certain thing, such as, you know, I don't, I don't see any requirement for women to wear hats or not wear hats in the modern church. But back in the day, there was one. And so we, we look at Proverbs very differently. So a lot of people read Proverbs 22.6 as 100% guarantee. I do this, God, you do that, right? We have this equation in our head, and I, I, I've noticed it a lot more, and I think maybe because we're a society of engineers up here in Michigan, you guys are like way smart, right? And so, but here's the deal. Uh, this scripture, the scripture in, that we're looking at is not 100% guarantee of faithful kids. Why do I know that? For the simple truth that I have actually seen Parents do a really, really good job of raising their kids in a godly way, and those kids depart from it. 
And it's heartbreaking. Isn't that heartbreaking? I mean, you're up in the middle of the night with this little thing, and he's got the croup. You know what that is? Like a barking dog thing, and you're just like, out, demon, you know? And then and, and, and you're in the shower and the smoke. I don't know if that does anything. It just makes you just sweaty, right? You're, you're there, and then you go outside, and you, know, you get a little inhaler and all that stuff. My kids have that. And, and, you're, and I just looked at this little guy who's barking, and you feel so bad. You just want to take his little sickness into yourself, right? And, but you look at him, and you also think, I swear, if you rebel on me, I will find you, child. I will find you. You know what I mean? I didn't do all of this for you to go crazy, you know? And I get that. And so parents hang on to this scripture. The problem is, it's not a 100% guarantee. It's not a 100% promise. And if you think of it that way, you're going to feel one of two ways. Betrayed or guilty. Betrayed or guilty. Why? Because obviously God is 100% faithful, right? Like, duh. You know, he's good for it. So who screwed up? We screwed up, and now we feel bad, right? But it's not that way. Because the greatest gift after the love of Jesus is actually, as frustrating as it seems, is actually free will. God doesn't want people forced into his home. He wants people to choose his home. That's tough. That's tough. But it is the greatest, it's what really separates us from the animals. Is God said, imago Dei. I make you, I make you in the shape of me, free will. John 6.60 says this, Jesus, Jesus said some really tough things in the Bible, really tough things. And on hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And from this time, 66 says, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, what do we read? Do we read that, that Jesus is like, wait, guys, I was just kidding. Hang on, hang on. You know, ah, mea culpa, man, that was pretty strong. That was a, that, let's, let's back that up. Let's back it up. I need, this, I need these pews filled. Let's, let's do softer stuff. Right? No, we don't find that at all. We find that Jesus was like, look, here's the truth. And I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think if you ever are sitting under preaching, and thank God we have a pastor who preaches the truth, you, you know when a pastor is only teaching part of it, he's after your money. He's after your money, or he's after fame, or she's after something. When, when, when the word of God comes out, there's a bite to it. There's a part where if, if you're not going, ooh, me too. Me too, and oh, okay, okay. You know, you don't have to come out feeling bloody and beat up. You should, you should be encouraged. But at the same time, you should be different. There should be a difference in the community of Christ. Now let's break apart this scripture just a little bit, okay? So what we're gonna do, instead of this big thing, we're gonna do this small thing. And, and here's the deal. And um, this scripture is misunderstood because of a language problem. The scripture is misunderstood because of a translation problem. I have a, a German friend named Jens, and he never got any of my jokes, right? And, and he didn't get any jokes. And what he thought was funny was so dumb, right? You're like, you think that's funny? I'm giving you comedic gold over here, and you know, dross, you know. But what, what it was, was it wasn't cl clicking. It was German to English. It just wasn't funny to him. And this, this passage is really interesting. If you look up the phrase, train up. Train up a child in the way he should go, or she, that's a, a universal word there. It means something very interesting. It means to dedicate. 
So train up means to dedicate. Every other time, except for this one right here, every other time that word is used, about eight, nine times, it means dedicate the building to God. Dedicate the temple to God. Isn't that interesting that God would use a word that means dedicate when he says, your kid. Dedicate. Consecrate. Set apart. Get ready. Move in such a way. It's almost like there's this giant ribbon that you're cutting in the child's life or the young person's life, in the, in the teenager's life, in the adolescent's life. You're, you're dedicating. You're training them up. You know, see, as culturally, as Westerners, you know, um, we believe that everybody's created equal, right? I mean, that's written into who we are as a nation. But they didn't, they didn't have that. They had royalty. They had different people. And what this word really means is that there's a royalty to these people. In fact, in uh, uh, the culture that we live in, I deal with this a lot as a youth pastor, is sometimes there's parents who are not allowing their kids to become who they were designed by God to be. In psychology and in education, these are called helicopter parents. And they hover, right? Oh, you skin journey. Like, Mom, I'm 28. Oh, it's okay. You know, and, then, and, they, and, they, and they're always on their kid. And here, let me wipe that boo-boo. And Mom, I'm on a date. You know, you know and they're, they're always over. And, and what happens is, is that child or that young adult begins to act in a way that they are told to act. It's called the self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, we all know that if you teach... If you call your kid stupid, he's going he's gonna to live up to that. That's, that's like simple. But the truth is, is that if you baby your kid all the way, oh, you don't let him fail and all that kind of stuff, it actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that that kid becomes a child too. You, you never dedicate them. And look, I'm not saying throw them into the wolves. I'm not saying that. You know, but there's certain, there's certain times when people have to make the next step. My boys are not allowed to use steak knives. That's why I'm still alive. But uh, um, you know what? On their date to the woman they're eventually going to marry, uh, you know that date uh, when they're like 38, 39, uh, um, I, I don't want them to go, what do I do with this? You know what I mean? That date's not going to go well, right? I guess I'll just dig in with the steak. So what I do is I give them plastic knives now to teach them knife uh, safety and how to use it, and then eventually I will give them steak knives, right? So, so we, you know, we had this thing in the early uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Remember the, brand, uh, the bands What Would Jesus Do? I, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. But really, I think Jesus is up in heaven going, a little bit more, kids. Not what would I do. What should you do, right? What would Jesus have me to do is really the question. Because would Jesus drive a Ford or a Chevy? <laughs> like, no, a donkey, right? But like, so what would Jesus have me to do? What would Jesus have me to do? And so Jesus isn't interested in children. He's interested in adults growing up. So train up. See, the, the, the Bible says for each will have to bear his own load. And all the fathers in the house said, amen, right? They're like, get out of my basement. But like, that's the deal is God is like, let's grow them up. Okay, let's look at the next piece. Train up a 
child in the way he or she should go. Now, this is an interesting word, too, because, and again, we take it to mean preschooler or whatever age your kid is at, right? Or whatever age your kid was at because you feel guilty because of they didn't work out the way you want and they're not the valedictorian or they didn't get the scholarship or whatever. Train up a child. But really, this is an interesting word, too, because child actually suggests adolescent. Child actually suggests adolescent. And more specifically, this word is used in the Old Testament over and over and over again in one specific context. This is the only time in the Bible that we see, like, child. Every other time, it means cadet. Now think about this. This is not a word we use very much anymore. In fact, we don't really celebrate military for children, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> we don't do that. But, like, but there was a time... There was a time when it was very understood that kids were to look a certain way and be a certain way. I mean, you look at a Boy Scout, right? And everybody dresses exactly the same. Uh, how many of you have ever looked at an uh, old yearbook? An old yearbook. If you look at an old yearbook, like my dad's yearbook, if I looked at that, everybody looks exactly the same. He was in high school in the late 60s. Everybody was dressed exactly, all the men had exactly the same time. The girls had pretty much the same dresses on. Now it looks like someone just took a bunch of confetti in children's shapes and like sprinkled it around. You're beautiful, you're unique, whatever you want, you know. If you don't have, a, if you have a normal hair color, that's weird now. You know, it's just like, look weird, you know, look, look freaky. And, and so what happens is, is that, that uh, we actually have moved away from this idea and we've, we've moved to this idea. Not that your children are pickles, but I would like to point out something striking. How many of you would guess how many pickle choices there are in this photo? 83! 83 pickle choices. How many of you are just knocking on Kroger's door saying, I demand almost 100 pickle options, or else it's communist Russia. I need multiple options. This is socialism. I'm a, I'm a consumer. I need pickle options. Nobody needs 83 pickle options. No human on earth. I don't even eat pickles. What does that mean for me? I'm lost. You know? And so what happens is, is this culture that these kids are growing up in is everybody, everybody has a million choices. Everybody has a million pickle options. It shouldn't take you 20 minutes to pick a jar of pickles. And yet that's the paradox of choice that these kids are under. They can pick their gender. They can pick whatever they want. And so what happens? What happens is we have the most lost generation of all time. Oh, your 60s generation was lost too. But it's like crazy now. It's crazy. And I can create my own little community on the internet that affirms whatever I want. I want my own little subreddit. I do that. I want my own little group. So nobody can say, hey, that's like abnormal. It's not abnormal. It's creative. Well, it is that too. It's also weird and strange. And at a certain point, I'm not being an old curmudgeon here, I'm 34, but at a certain point you're just like, hold on a second, hold on a second. What is God's desire? And see, when he says that when you're supposed to train up, when you're supposed to pull somebody out of the miry clay, he didn't pull you out of the miry clay to celebrate you. He pulled you out of the miry clay for the glory of God. Amen. To celebrate the, the miry clay? No, to celebrate the blood that washed the clay away. That's what God does. That's what God does. 
And so this, this cadet idea is really interesting. I went online, university, undergraduate admissions uh, um, at some, some local school. I don't, I don't know which one, you know, whichever, you know, team you root for. I am not getting in the middle of that. I would just like to point out something. How many majors and degrees are available for undergraduates only? I heard somebody say 265. You are incorrect, sir. It's approximately. They don't even know how many <laughs> at their own school. They're like, yeah, it's like a bunch. It's like a whole lot. What, a, what, a, what does that do to a 17-year-old kid? Uh, pick one, pick one, pick one, pick one, pick one. We have approximately 7,000 options. Uh, pickles, you know? So these kids are losing their minds. There's difference in all of us. And I don't want to demute that. I don't want to make that small. But God thinks differently of his children. He expects them to follow the plan for his life. And there's a different kind of parent. Not the helicopter parent. This is a different kind of parent. This is called the volcano parent. And the volcano blows up anytime their child's rights are infringed upon. Oh, gone are the days. Gone are the days when the teacher was right, when the coach could call you out. Gone are those days, my friend. My wife's a teacher. She knows exactly what it is to get that phone call. How dare you give my child a F? I love what my wife says. Oh, it's so good. She goes, I didn't give your child any grade, ma'am. Your child earned an F. <laughs> I love that. There she is. I love that. So good. Occasionally, parents will come up to me with, you know, a grievance, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, come on, I can take it, no problem. I, I'm a peacemaker uh, to the nth degree. I love peace. It's super good. And, but then sometimes people will do this, and, you know, I have, like, I don't have the patience of Job, but I have a lot of patience. I, I love people, and I, I'm okay with people. But every once in a while, somebody will do something that really gets me hot, and it's this phrase. It's this phrase. They'll come up to me with an issue with their teenager, and they will say this phrase. Uh, this is the issue, blah, 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 and I'm listening to it, okay, okay. And she said, or he said this, da, 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 and they, they'll say this. Are you ready for it? I'm giving away my secret here. I probably shouldn't. This is the phrase. You can, uh, you can have beef with me all you want. I'm fine with it, but don't use this phrase. I just want to hear your side of the story. Ooh, hotness. Something clicks in my brain, and I, I, my salvation just leaks right out my ears. I'm like, What? What? Did you just put me on the same level as a 14-year-old girl? I cannot handle this. And so I, 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 uh, I uh, repray the prayer of salvation, and then uh, uh, and I go, I'm not going to put myself on the level of your teenage son whose hormones are pumping through him like a fire hose. I'm going to instead say the truth. And this is what happened. And if you don't believe me, then you have a youth pastor that's lying, apparently. <laughs> And you got bigger problems if your youth pastor's lying to you, like monster problems, right? But like, there, there is this issue I find with parents. I'll be honest, even grandparents, which is really scary on the softball field. Uh, he's like, I was in Nam, you know, and they're like beating up the, the rump, uh, the ump. But uh, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I find that the older generation is actually a lot more solid on this. It's the, uh, it's the Generation X that has the trouble, and oh Lord, I don't know what's going to happen when the millennials become parents, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. You are not your kid's friend. Amen. 
You're not. You're not. One day, the highest, the highest connection you will have with your child is to be their friend. When you're, you're 90 and they're 45, and you know, I mean, eventually when they become an adult, you do transition into that. You totally do. But this guy, he is not actually his child's friend in that moment. And I don't know if that's a real picture or, or a stock photo, but listen, that little boy is watching like a hawk. Oh, how many of you have had, and, and of course, I mean, it wouldn't have happened to me, of course, you know, when you stub your toe or something and your little five-year-old picks up a word or two. They're listening. They're watching, and they don't want you to be their friend. I had, and this was not in this church, never had this issue in this church, absolutely. Everybody is much more mature than this church I came from, but this church I came from, I had a mom who thought she was friends with all of her teenage daughter's buddies, and she rolled up in like this little sports car, and she wore these little outfits, and she would come up after church, didn't go to church, right, and she wanted to hang out in the parking lot, which is kind of like a Florida thing, uh, because you don't get snowed on, and they all hang out in the parking lot, and she wanted to come up and hang out with like all the friends, and so I'm like, oh, new mom, so I go over and I introduce myself, and she immediately becomes a 14-year-old girl. She's like, um, uh, I'm like, what's going on here, you know? Hi, I'm Ryan! Oh, okay, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, we'll just test this. So I walk away, talk to another parent, and she's like, ha, 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 and she's talking with the teenagers again. I'm like, okay, that's weird, I'm not having that. So what I did was, every time she came to the church, I went over and walked over and stood right next to her. And then I talked about the most boring adult things I could come up with. I talked about politics, I talked about economics, I, I, I learned about the Crimean War just so I could bore her about it, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, this happened in the czars in Russia, I mean, you know, I'm like just coming up with stuff, and she eventually went away, because she couldn't handle the adultness of it. But here's the deal, she's not doing those kids any favors. She's not doing those kids any favors. They don't need a friend. They got those. They need a mama. They need a mama. They don't need someone to come blow up at the coach or blow up at the teacher or anything like that. For I know that I've got somebody to take care of Jack and Logan. Yes, there might be times when mama bear or papa bear needs to come in and step in, but I'm also going to teach them to fight their own fights. But this is what Jesus, uh, or what God has for each human that's born. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God will take care of your children. He will take care of, he's got a plan. Even those ones who are going crazy right now. I mean it. Whatever occupation he is to later follow in this young man or young woman in your life. It is necessary to prepare for the early years. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Again, this is one of those misunderstood passages, and here's how it works. It's really interesting. Watch this, okay? Here's a pipe. And if you check out the wording, way, if you look into the wording way, it doesn't mean what we normally thought. We, we thought it meant be a Christian, right? Isn't that how you thought? I always thought that, like teach them about the Bible, take them to Sunday school, get them in youth groups, send them to camp, get them opportunities, read the Bible at home and all that stuff. Absolutely, and that is your job. Dads, as the priest of the home, that's your job. 
And moms, if you have a spiritually absent father, and what I mean by that is some, some have uh, husbands who have never darkened the seat of a church, mom, you, you gotta take that role, you gotta take that mantle, and God will bless you, he'll take care of you, and he'll take care of your kids. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is very, very interesting. It actually means bend. The way means bend, that's how it's used, bend. And it's kind of the idea of this. How many of you grew up in the country, or you at least have driven on one of these? My, uh, my good country friend, here's, here's a country name for you, Burt Lyles III. Now, Burt Lyles III lived on over 100 acres of orange grove, and down the rows of each of the orange groves was a really deep rut, uh, just like this, but real deep. And so what we would do is we would all get our trucks, I was like a wannabe uh, redneck, um, and we would all get our trucks. You know, they had like monster trucks, and I had like a little Ford Ranger, but it was so fun. And we would put them all in a row. And then we would drag down the strip of orange, orange groves, and, and you would go as fast as you could without holding the steering wheel. Don't tell my mom this, okay? She will kill me. Um, and uh, I never, ever crashed. But the other guy, you know, but not me. And, and so what you would do is the ruts would keep your vehicle in the way. Isn't that interesting? I, I know you've done it before. <laughs> He's giggling. Uh, that's uh, Rod Davis. You haven't met him. He's uh, a resident West Virginia guy, so he knows all about this. And you, would, you, you, could, you could set your hands off the wheel, and it would keep you in the way. It'd have to be very deep ruts. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think this scripture is so powerful for this reason, that you, mom, you, dad, you, grandma, you, grandpa, you, uncle, you, auntie, even you, sister, you, brother, your job is not to fix the kid. That's Jesus' job. Jesus' job was to fix you. Why do you think it's your job to fix the kid? That is, whew, that is strong theology. It's Jesus that saves their soul, not you. And that is so freeing. Praise the Lord. My kids are five. They're not Christians yet. I mean, you know, they're just little heathens. One day, you know, I... <laughs> Bless them, Lord. But eventually, it's going to stick. My job is to do... Are you ready? This is deep theology. This. My job is to recognize his bend and apply it. Train up a child in the bend that God has given him. And when he is older, he won't depart from it because you bent him. You put the bend in. Isn't that great? Now what is a bend? A bend is a really deep, rutted path that God has given. It's their ability. It's their skill. It's their talent. It's why we do things like fine arts and missions trips and all that stuff. We want them to discover who they are as teenagers and as young adults and as little kids. If, if, if uh, the church did not exist, there would be no pop culture music in America today. There wouldn't. Because where else are you going to learn to sing in front of an audience? It's the church. Katy Perry, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, all of them started in the church. Yeah, they went astray, but all of them started in the church. Somewhere along the way, though, somebody didn't go, hey, buddy, that's great. You're talented. Bless God. This way. Does that make sense? This. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, this way. 
train up a child. In, in fact, we actually have a really great illustration of this with another set of twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau. Isaac's the dad. But because he had a taste for games, so he's like, this guy can make some mean food. I like this. He can barbecue, right? Uh, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, Jacob, he, he, he liked the things of the Lord. He, he liked prayer, and he liked worship, and he liked to, to move in that kind of area. The problem was is that Isaac never was able to connect with Esau in the right way. He was never able to go walking with Esau and say, hey, Esau, I love that you love the outdoors. Do you know who made the outdoors? God did. Oh, isn't this game? Wow, you, you've got a beautiful buck here. Esau, the Lord has blessed you. Did, did God lead you to this? You see what I'm saying? Instead of demanding and, and maybe, maybe Rebecca did try. Maybe Rebecca's like, hey, Esau, come join us in the tent. Come join me and Jacob in the tent. We're going to pray. We're going we're to do spiritual stuff. Uh, I don't know. What I do know is that Rebecca loved Jacob, and she put her time into him. And what happened was is she bent him a certain way. She bent him into lying. She bent him into a destructive lie that ended up stealing the blessing from Esau and then the running, terrible story. I want to show you something funny. The boys, <coughs> excuse me, the, Jack and Logan are the name of my five-year-old twins. And Jack and Logan are very different. Uh, uh, and one of the ways that I've noticed is one of the boys is just very artistic. He's very sensitive. He, he likes the things of the Lord. He likes worship songs, and he sits quietly during church. In fact, I came home, and he wanted to show me his Legos, and he's a, a builder. They both like Legos, but he wanted to show me a Lego creation he had made. Here is the Lego creation he had made. He put Jesus on a cross and even put like a, a little Roman soldier, and uh, it was, I was, I was like tearing up. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? I don't know. I don't know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to falsely be directive, but I'm going to give him some opportunities when, as he gets older to minister, right? Like, why not? Why not? I'm noticing, right? I'm noticing his bend, and I'm saying, hmm, maybe. Then Jack comes along and goes, ew, that's weird. <laughs> okay. Maybe not his band, you know. I don't know. I don't know what that means, and I don't want to make crazy uh, uh, ideas at five. But, like, you, you see, I'm just paying attention. I'm just paying attention. And then I said, is that his robe? Did you put his robe hanging over? Isn't that great? The little robe hanging over the cross? And he goes, no, daddy, that's blood. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's very realistic, son. <laughs> so we still got to work on him. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. I know we're talking about kids, but I have a question for you. 
did someone talk you out of your gift? When I was a kid, <laughs> I thought I could sing. And uh, my dad toured Europe, toured Europe singing. But then I got to go to Southeastern, and we were talking about cl college classes, and I, I just was thinking out loud, and I said, you know, I think, and whenever a teenager says that, they're not actually thinking out loud, they're testing you, by the way. Parents, just pay attention. Uh, <clears throat> it doesn't mean they're actually thinking anything, by the way. But I was testing, I think I might take a vocal lesson class as one of my electives. And my entire, the entire Hanks family, everybody, grandparents, everybody started laughing. The dog laughed, right? Everybody's laughing. And I was like, ah. Just kidding, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that, that did something in me, and, and I don't sing, and I, I've never learned to sing, and what happened? What happened with me, and again, they're awesome people, they didn't mean it, but you're going to screw up your kids, and I screwed up my kids, and you know, I, I didn't sing because of that, and so I didn't uh, stir up the gift of God. I didn't stir it up, and so... I don't have it. Now, I don't have like some big desire, you know. I, now I know that like people sing awesome, so I'm like, yeah, you go for it, right? I don't play any instruments. I can barely play the radio. I'm fine with that. But like, here's the deal. I bet you in this room, if I had that story, I bet you there's people in this room, grown-up adults, not kids, grown-up adults, who have had a gift squished. Something. You're like, man, I really want to, I don't know, Preach. Oh, you're not a preacher. I, I don't know. I, I really would love to write that novel. <laughs> are you kidding? Have you seen how many novels are in the bookstore? I don't know. I, I just want to, no. No, no, no. You know what? That's hokum. Let me be clear on that. If God has given you a gift, the Bible says God does not relent the gifts. He doesn't take them back. You still have that gift inside of you. I believe, I'm not going to, but I believe if I pursued vocal and that was like my desire and I put like some real practice into that, I believe that God would stir up that gift and I could do it. I could do it. I wouldn't be as good as anybody who'd started when they were a kid. But you know what? If that is what God has put on your heart, do it. Don't squander the gift of God, especially in kids, but even in your own life. Let's wrap up here. Your talent is God's gift to you. Free. Isn't that great? Free. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Your talent is God's gift. <clears throat> he just gives it. He gives it, and here's the thing, and it's super annoying for us Christians. He gives it to everyone. You know what I mean? You look at people and you're like, that guy's a dirtbag, and yet he can do this. I mean, you know, you look at, at the athletes in the Olympics, you know, this, this Ryan Lochte guy is doing something. I don't know, what, the, what was that? And like, he's like guns and booze, and you're like, that dude can swim. Why didn't you give me awesome swim skills? And God's like, yeah, no. But you know, like, he gives it unequivocally, and yet God... God can use something so powerful when he takes that bend and he goes, let's use it for the kingdom. Let's, let's take what God has given you and give it back. If you have kids in your life, if, if you're on a team at the church and you're volunteering or you have grandbabies and, and, and you're just Mima or Papa and, 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 and you're in that person's life, your job is not over. You, ma'am, sir, you cannot retire. 
Your job is not over. If you have kids in your life, your job is to influence them for the kingdom of God. It's your job. There's a teacher was given an unbelievable illustration in my college, I remember, and uh, it changed how I thought about this forever, forever. A teacher wanted to illustrate the faultiness of human reasoning and gave the following situation to a class of students. He said, how would you feel, guys, to us, we're all just sitting there, how would you feel, how would you advise a mother who was pregnant with her fifth child based on the following facts? And he read these facts. He said, her husband had syphilis. She had tuberculosis. Their first child was born blind. Their second child died. Their third child was born deaf. And their fourth child had tuberculosis. Would you think that it was appropriate for that woman to abort the child based on that reasoning? And this was, this was not a Christian uh, school. I was just doing some summer classes. And almost every hand but me and like one other kid were like, no, you can't just do that. Everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I didn't realize this at the time. But uh, then he revealed himself to be a Christian later. He said, well, you guys have just killed Ludwig von Beethoven. Oops. The fifth. Doesn't that, doesn't that give new meaning to the fifth. The fifth child, destined for greatness. Something happened where somebody, somewhere, went in the face of adversity, twisted, moved. I'd like you to answer just one question for me. How many of you, I didn't ask, and I'm not asking if you're biological parents, That's a moot subject of what I'm talking about. How many of you in here would say, you know what, Ryan, there is a child, a teenager, an adolescent, or a young adult within my sphere of influence. I talk to them, or I help them, or they live in my house, and I raise them. I'm a guardian to them. I'm a god mama, god daddy. uh, I'm an uncle. I'm a brother. I mean, something like that. How many would say, I have in my sphere of influence a young person who is still developing in some way, basically under the age of 25, 28? How many would say that? Let's throw up your hands. Okay? Okay? I want to pray for you. Because God has put it on my heart this morning to tell you something very important. You matter. You matter greatly. What you're doing is changing hearts. That one kid in your life who's rebellious, God's going to turn his or her heart around. God's going to get in control of that. God's going to get in control of that. And and you're like, you know what, I didn't do such a good job. Oh, whatever. that That is God's job. You put the bend in as far as you can. If you see a talent, if you see a gift, my other son loves fishing. I'm 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 gonna buy him a fishing pole. Why? Because maybe that will be his bend. I don't know, but it's worth 20 bucks. God wants to do something in your life this morning. That's why I feel like he's given me a word for you. And then the second group, the second group, is very specific, but I feel like there's some crushed dreams in this room today. I feel like there's some crushed dreams, some folks 
who wanted to do something, who had a skill or a talent, and it didn't work out. And you just, you feel blocked, and you, you feel like, I never, developed, I never did that thing that God had for my life. If you are sucking in air this morning, it is not too late for God to fan into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is not too late. And how many would say, you know what? And I know I'm skipping a bunch of people here today. I don't care. I don't care because I care about the people that God laid on my heart and I love all of you. So here's the deal. Let me just say this. If there's someone in this room, and, and I don't care what your age is or what your impact is, what level of involvement in the church or, or non-involvement, I don't care. I want to ask a very specific question. How many of you, God has put it on your heart to do something and you have yet to do it? I'm raising my hand not as an example, but because God has put something on my heart to do, and I haven't done it yet. I haven't been obedient in the gift of God. So I will do it. I promise you before 2016 is over. I'll make it happen. Who else? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to pray for all the parents after I pray for the gift of God. I pray right now. Father, God, fan into flame the gift of God. God, there's some folks in here who have, at some point in their life, had a, a dream deferred, squashed, crushed. Or maybe they did it themselves. It's so easy to do. Or maybe life happened, and relationships happened, or didn't happen, and, and things they thought were going to happen and didn't happen, and now they're upset. And I, I get it. I get it. But God, I pray right now, that those gifts you have given to us, we would fan into flame and that it would be glory to you. It would be glory to you. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give them boldness to do the thing that you have put on their heart and gifted them to do. Now I have one more thing. In this room, are those people who raised their hands and said, I have kids in my life, teenagers in my life, young adults in my life, and I am going to dedicate myself to getting the right bend. I'm going to do it so that when they grow up, they will not depart from it. If you have young people in your sphere of influence, I want you just to stand up. Stand up right now, and we're going to pray for you. Just stand up. If you don't, I want you to walk over, stand up, and put your hands on them. But I want you to take a quick peek, quick peek. If you're grandpa, if you're a great grandpa, you have kids in your life, you have kids in your life. And I want you just to put your hands on their shoulders and pray for them. I want you to pray for these parents. It's not Father's Day, it's not Mother's Day, it's Influential Adults Day. Go ahead and, and the rest of you that are sitting, if, if, you, if you don't mind, just stand up and walk over to somebody and put your hand on their shoulder. If you're new here, you can just stay seated. I don't want you to feel weird. But we believe in families. We believe in those of you who are doing hard work of raising a human. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to dismiss. Are you ready to pray with me? I, my prayers are not good enough. You're going to have to do some heavy lifting for me. I, I am not good enough at praying. I'm going to need your help. Ready? Let's pray out loud for all of our parents and influencers of young people. Hear from this youth pastor's heart. This is what I care about most.
God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all the moms and dads in this room, all the grandmas and all the grandpas, all the brothers and sisters and siblings and cousins. God, for all the neighbors, all the coaches, all the professors, all the teachers, all the things, all the opportunities and all the titles that would get us connected, all the leaders of ministries, all the nursery workers and youth workers and kids ministry, young adults, all of them, Father. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would equip them for the task at hand. God, if they are in this room and they're feeling guilty by the way a kid turned out, Father, I abolish that in the name of Jesus that is covered under the blood of God and there is no place for guilt. There is no place to, to, to wallow in that kind of shame. God himself will take care of that kid because he loves that kid more than you do. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bring every stray sheep back into the fold. God, get a hold of her heart. Get a hold of his heart. God, move in their life. Move in their life. And Father, I pray for those of us in influence that we would say the bend of the child, the bend of the young adult is of primary importance. How you made them, I want to be a part of how they're developed. In Jesus' name. All my friends said, amen. Would you give them a big hug? Encourage those parents. Encourage them. Let them know you can do it. You can do it. We love you guys. Thank you for coming to Lakeside. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you.